My name is Dennis Berger with Berger Farms in Shiner, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to be back home after spending most of the week in the swamp of Washington, D.C. Boy, it was nice when that plane touched down on Texas soil last night. we got another edition of Texas Ag Today ready to roll, so jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Well, as we mentioned, we spent most of the week in Washington, D.C., talking with policymakers, farm groups, and administration officials about what's going on in agriculture in our nation's capital. On today's show, we'll check in with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association to get their take on the recent hearings in Washington that dealt with the cattle industry and specifically the Cattle Market Reform Bill. That story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As cattle raisers look for new ways to make money, there's something of a renewed interest in retained ownership. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A portion of Coastal Bend dryland cotton has suffered greatly in the Texas drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story out of San Patricio County on Texas Ag Today. The soaring cost of commercial fertilizer has Texas growers exploring options. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Well, it is always good to be back in Texas, especially when you spent the week in the swamp of Washington. While we were in the nation's capital this week, we visited the office of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and talked with Tanner Beamer. He's NCBA's Senior Director of Government Affairs. He gave me his take on the recent Senate Ag Committee hearing on the cattle market reform bill. You know, I think a lot of what we learned is that there are a lot of people involved in this conversation, and many of them are in the same place that they have been for a long time. You know, uh, Senators Fisher and Grassley were big proponents of their bill, the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. Uh, You saw um, a witness list that was made up mostly of cattle producers and one livestock economist. And uh, as you can imagine, the cattle producers were pretty divided on whether they supported mandates on negotiated trade. Uh, And the economist community was represented by Dr. Stephen Koontz, and he was pretty adamant that uh, there will be a pretty substantial cost to industry if we mandate the way that cattle producers sell their cattle to the packer. Beamer says that bill could cost the cattle industry several billion dollars if it's passed. We're talking about a pretty substantial market-altering piece of legislation, um, and I think that it's really important that senators understand what they're doing uh, before we start to move some of this legislation forward in order to understand the impacts that it will have on cattle producers. 
But despite those studies showing the cost to the industry, Beamer believes the bill has a lot of support on both sides of the aisle. A group of Texas farmers and ranchers were in Washington recently visiting with the Texas congressional delegation. One of the lawmakers they talked to was Central Texas Congressman Pete Sessions. He told the group that despite the pandemic and economic challenges, Texas farmers and ranchers have never stopped working. And that's an example that Washington needs to follow. There seems to be this viewpoint that it's okay to stay at home and let somebody else do the work, but we'll pay you. Tens of thousands of government employees still are not at work. They're not at work because the Office of Professional Management, as a result of the White House, does not have people going back to work, even as of May the 1st. And we have to put people back at work. We need people to, to go to work that are teachers. We need them in our community so that we, also people who produce goods and services, can do that for the consumer. So Texas Farm Bureau has the answers. They have the people that understand the right place to go. And I'm proud to be a Texas Farm Bureau member. Sessions says he understands the other challenges that Texas farmers and ranchers are facing from the drought to rising input costs and supply shortages. As cattle producers look for new ways to make money, there's renewed interest in retained ownership. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. It's called retained ownership, and what it typically means is this. Instead of selling their five or six weight calves to a feed yard, some ranchers choose to continue owning their livestock all the way through the feed yard stage before eventually selling them to a packer. This allows the rancher to be the one who collects the proceeds from that final sale of their animals. However, as Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez explains, Success with retained ownership depends on the market environment. If cattle feeders are not making money on average, you're probably not going to make money simply by retaining ownership, right? Because you are in the same feeding conditions therein, plus you're paying them a fee to feed for you. And so rule of thumb, if cattle feeders aren't making money, which in this year their margins are going to be level to negative because of high feed costs, retained ownership as rule of thumb probably isn't going to work. But Benavidez says interest in retained ownership has been on the rise lately as some ranchers pursue a different approach, direct sales to consumers. If you retain that animal all the way through the feedlot and then you take it to a custom plant to have it custom harvested and then sell it as a half or sell it as a quarter or sell it as retail cuts or even do that custom exemption system where you sell a portion of a calf before slaughter to another person, there's some real benefits to that because you are now the price setter rather than the price taker and you have some ability to shift your pricing structure where you're telling people what you're charging and as long as you don't overcharge way too much and you know who you're going to be selling to ahead of time you can lock in some real margins there with your high value calves and some of your high performing calves. AgriLife does offer a decision making tool to help ranchers evaluate retained ownership opportunities. Contact the Extension Service for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The drought is causing coastal bend cotton farmers to lose their first planting. Tom Nicoletti checks in with an AgriLife Extension agent for an update. 
My guest from uh, San Patricio County along the coast is Bobby McCool. He is Agricultural and Natural Resources Extension Agent with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service. And uh, Bobby, uh, San Patricio County is classified as a severe drought county like many counties along the coastal bend. And uh, certainly the dryland cotton has not fared well in your county. Uh, Tell us about how much of that uh, at this point is lost due to the drought. Well, at this moment, it's just... Just a guess, but somewhere in the 25 to 30 percent at least. We've had, like most of Texas, a lot of wind and no rain. Now, April 15th was the planting date deadline, May 1st, the deadline for emergence of the crop. So uh, the crop that has not emerged and uh, taken full hold this spring, uh, what are farmers having to do? I believe protocol is for them to get it plowed out, you know, as soon as possible. Other than that, we do have some cotton that is up in the eastern part of the county. Some of it looks pretty good. It was planted early. We had some cooler temperatures and not a lot of evaporation there for a while as we, you know, moved into March with the winds and things dried out pretty fast. Some of the cotton that did come up, we have some fairly skippy stands with it as well. Now, certainly uh, your region has not received much rainfall uh, at all. Uh, What kind of totals can you uh, share with us? Most of the county probably hasn't had a half an inch since the beginning of the year. We had one little sector of the county got a little rain that the rest of the county didn't get, but it's a pretty small sector of the county. That's Bobby McCool with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in San Patricio County. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The soaring cost of commercial fertilizer has Texas growers exploring options. Gary Joyner has more. One option, put out less fertilizer than normal and hope higher commodity prices will financially offset the expected lower yields. The reality is applying a normal amount of commercial fertilizer does not pencil out for many farmers right now. Commercial fertilizer prices reached a record high in March, with nitrogen fertilizer jumping fourfold since 2020 and phosphate and potash up threefold. Another option is applying livestock manure and poultry litter to their fields. It can replace some of the nutrient shortfall. The problem with that option, though, there's not enough manure and litter to meet the demand and the price of the products is higher than normal because of it. Farmers and ranchers who worked before to dispose of animal waste are now using more of it themselves. Plus, the products represent a new market and revenue opportunity if they have any for sale. Livestock manure and poultry litter are products that have traditionally helped the bottom line of many farms and ranches. That is especially true now. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is accepting comments on proposed changes to a program that allows deer breeders to move deer from one site to another. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Act today. And researchers have successfully edited the tick genome for the first time. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, young farmers and ranchers in Southeast Texas are invited to the Young Farmer and Rancher event coming up on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. Kevin Seawright joins me to talk more about it. Kevin, tell me what's happening at this Young Farmer and Rancher gathering. 
it's our District 11 YFNR event uh, for anybody that's a YFNR from 18 to 35 that's interested in agriculture. And we're going to be at Neil's Berry Farm over in Waller. And we're going to tour his berry farm and we're going to pick some berries and talk about the YFR events that we have coming up. Young farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35 are invited to attend. Kevin, where can they get more information? Uh, you can contact uh, Jessica Niemer. 936-419-9648. It's all happening on Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock at Neal's Berry Farm in Waller, Texas. If you'd like to have an event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. Martin. that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at T-X-F-B dot O-R-G. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Researchers have successfully edited the tick genome for the first time. Dr. Bob Judd says this is an important step in preventing the spread of diseases. Editing the tick genome at the embryo stage may one day help scientists alter parts of the genome that allows ticks to acquire and spread harmful diseases. Ticks are common throughout North America and are vectors for several animal and human diseases, such as Lyme disease, which is commonly transmitted by the black-legged tick. Lyme disease is the leading vector-borne disease in the United States, and although only about 30,000 human cases are reported each year, the Centers for Disease Control suspects there are over 300,000 non-reported cases. Tick research has lagged behind other research on vectors like mosquitoes because of the challenges in applying genetic and molecular tools to ticks. Dr. Jason Rasgon from Penn State indicates it was thought that it was impossible to make a transgenic tick because tick eggs are coated in a hard wax. However, the Penn State team removed the organs from the female tick that produces the hard wax prior to laying their eggs so they could inject the tick's eggs with chemicals to affect the genes. Certainly, this requires some tedious microsurgery to remove internal organs from a tick and then have the tick still produce eggs. The adult ticks were also injected with a chemical to target the ovaries, and this technique has been successful in manipulating the genes of other insects by affecting the eggs inside the mother and therefore affect the genome of the offspring. The goal is to change the genome of the ticks so they are unable to carry and transmit disease to humans and animals, and this research is a major step. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is accepting comments on proposed changes to a program that allows deer breeders to move deer from one site to another. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting comments on proposed changes to its trap, transport, and transplant program for deer breeders. There's been a temporary moratorium on permits issued under the Triple T program for several months now due to concerns regarding the spread of chronic wasting disease, or CWD. The department says the new rule would establish CWD testing requirements and other provisions for prospective trap sites for game animals and game birds moved under a Triple T permit. The proposed rule states that these provisions would allow the Triple T program to operate again while minimizing the risk of spreading CWD. 
Triple T permits allow game raisers to move excess deer from one site to another. Under the current rule, the department will only issue a Triple T permit if they receive post-mortem CWD test results with not detected status for 15 test-eligible deer from the trap site. The department says the rule provides insufficient confidence that CWD is not present or being spread by Triple T activities. The proposed rule would require post-mortem CWD testing of at least 60 deer prior to authorization of any trapping activities under a Triple T permit. It would require antemortem sample collection of all trapped deer prior to transport, post-mortem testing of all deer mortalities as a result of permit activities, the tagging of all deer transferred under a Triple T permit, and continuous post-mortem testing on all trap sites at a rate of 15 deer per year in order to maintain trap site eligibility. The public can comment on the rule until 5 p.m. May 25th on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a lower day for cattle and cotton on Thursday, but the wheat market took off to the upside. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833 833- 897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. Once again, 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Both live and feeder cattle futures drifted lower in a fairly quiet trade on Thursday. We ended up in the red on the live cattle market with June down a dollar five, one thirty three seventy seven. August down a dollar five at one thirty six oh two. October live cattle down a dollar ten closing at 143.40. Same story in the feeder market. May feeder cattle down $1.92, 160.32. August feeders down $1.82 at 174.37, while September feeder cattle dropped $1.20, 177.45. Cash-fed cattle market just about wrapped up for the week. We saw most of our cattle here in the south sell at 140 this week. Some reports of a few cattle as high as 141. 
When we look up north, their range on live prices were 145 to 147. Most of their dressed cattle sold at 232. All of these prices mostly steady with the previous week. Boxed beef prices lower on Thursday. Choice was down 291 at 256.83. Select down $1.78 at 245.90. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear that glass of iced tea being poured, sit down here with me at the table. Doug Bass and I are going to discuss the sale he had at Cattleman's Brenham last Friday. Doug, how'd it go? We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 823 head of cattle. The market was good. I, I tell you, that the cow market has slipped a little bit. I've seen them cows. They sure enough $6, $7 cheaper this past week. But the calf market was sure steady to maybe a little higher in place. Good. Let's walk the pins. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows, like I said, they looked a little cheaper this week. Uh, thinner cows being 45 65 Better cows being 68 83 Weighing bulls, thinner, lower yielding bulls, 67 to 86. Your better high yielding bulls bring 89 to $1.11. Pair cattle had a few pairs, bring 850 to 1550. Red cows bring anywhere from 600 to 1150. Calf market, like I said, old calf market still looks pretty good. Two to three weight steers, 141 to 212. Heifers, 135 to 208. Three to four weight steers, 138 to 195. Heifers, 130 to 165. Four to five weight steers, 130 to 181. Heifers, 125 to 180. Five to six weight steers, 126 to 179. Heifers, 120 to 176. Six to seven weight steers, 119 to 164. Heifers, 115 to 150. And the seven to eight weight steers, Bring 115 to 147. Heifers bring 112 to 144. Good. What are we anticipating for this next Friday? Got lots of cattle to gather up. Yes, sir. I think we'll have a good sale. We got some good weather. Should uh, should have a pretty good turnout. I'm thinking, Mr. Larry. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass, for this Friday sale in Brenham. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my sale, which is 979-877-4454. I call us there at the office, which is 979-836-3621. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, Mr. Sure, y'all have a good week. You Thank too. you. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's it. This is Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for joining me at the kitchen table. See you again tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher on Thursday. May hogs up 20 cents at 102.80. June hogs up $1.97, 107.07. Class 3 milk was mixed. May milk up 18 at 24.90, 100 weight, while June milk was down 7 at 24.23. We saw a big drop in the cotton market on Thursday. In fact, the July contract was limit down. We have a very strong rally in the U.S. dollar and a big sell-off in the Dow. Both of those factors weighing on the cotton market Thursday. July cotton dropping 600 points to close at 148.76. October down 302 at 133.19, while December cotton dropped 334 points to close at 126.44. Continued strong exports supporting the corn market Thursday. May corn up five and a quarter, 803 and three quarters. September corn up three and a half, 756 and a quarter. And a good rally in the wheat market on Thursday. Both hard and soft wheat closing sharply higher. Traders focusing on the very poor wheat crop here in Texas and up in Oklahoma. Of course, here in Texas, 77% of our crop rated poor to very poor. 
Some numbers came out this week from Oklahoma. They're estimating production at just 57 million bushels. That's half of the 115 million bushels they had last year. Yield in Oklahoma this year expected to be 23.5 bushels an acre. Last year it was 39 bushels. That caused a big rally in the wheat market today. July Kansas City wheat up 53 and three quarters, 1177 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 30 cents. 11.06 and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas up 28 cents at 8.70. June crude oil up 57 cents, 108.38 a barrel. We mentioned earlier, big sell-off in the Dow on Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 1,238 points, 32,822. The Nasdaq down 711 points at 12,253. The S&P down 173 at 4,127. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.